Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 218. Today's show is brought to you by Linode, Luna Display, and Casper. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Federico Vitici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. How are you? I'm very good. I expect that so many of our listeners, they felt that beginning of the episode like a warm hug from an old friend, you know? Because it's mm. me hosting the show. Steven's not here. He's on vacation. Yeah. It reminds you it reminds you of of easier times when, you know, you know, the world was a better place and Mike was introducing connected, mm-hmm. you know, good times that are now gone. Um but well, just today. I, I would say that, that my times got better when Stephen took over a lot of the duties. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm back today. And because I'm back in, in the hot seat, in the control seat, follow up, if we ever get to it, maybe later, because we have iPad Pros to talk about. So mm. I have spoken with Jason, and we reviewed uh, the iPad Pro on Upgrade. You have been publishing stuff on Mac Stories this week. You published your uh, second of multiple articles that you're going to be publishing about your impressions of the iPad Pro. But I figured that we had to talk about this as like an almost mentor-mentee type relationship that me and you have. You are my iPad mentor. And I feel like we would be severely doing a disservice to listeners of this show if we both did not get into an in-depth review of some of the key aspects of using the 2018 iPad Pros. So I want to ask you some questions, and we'll go back and forth a bunch too. But I guess we should start off with the actual hardware itself. So what do you feel has been significantly improved or has seen some real great improvement for this new hardware compared to the old hardware? Well, I think obviously the screen is the big one for me. I think um, just holding the device, um, looking at that screen that extends to the corners of of the the the, the body of the of the entire computer, I think it's amazing. It looks incredible, and it and it it gives you that feeling of the iPhone ten. Uh, it's the same effect of the iPhone ten, but at a much much bigger scale. Um, and I think it's impressive. Like I cannot stop looking at the device and appreciating the device. And it's really the same reaction that I had to the iPhone X last year. And now, um, of course, I've gotten used to the iPhone X and the XS Max. Um, but looking at the iPad Pro uh, and that screen, it looks so, so pretty, mm-hmm. really. Um, and I think also from a more practical perspective, um, I love how... The new edges, the the flat, the squared off sides. I think they. I prefer the way that I can hold the device um, with this new hardware design. Um, and I, and I just prefer how I can hold the device in landscape, um, even when I'm typing with the software keyboard, and it feels like I'm seeing more uh, because of this bigger display. And it's not actually bigger, but it feels bigger. If that makes sense. Um, honestly, I, I just think the new design is what sells it for me from a, from a hardware standpoint, because I don't like the speakers may be slightly better, but I, I don't think you can really tell the difference from no, the previous not, model. It's not, it, you um, know, it's not like the difference of, I don't know, the original stereo speakers, right? From right. the iPads before or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and yes, it's thinner, but. Again, it's not something that that I 
can immediately tell. Um, the fact that it's somewhat lighter, that I can tell. But really, it's just a whole picture of seeing this display that extends from corner to corner, and it feels like I'm holding a device that is bigger, but also more compact, because it is more compact. Uh, but I'm not sacrificing, uh, you know, multitasking and split view and the content that I can see all at once uh, in a single screen without swiping, that kind of stuff. And I feel like having this, uh, having the iPhone X language um, brought over to the iPad, and that includes gestures, that includes the home indicator, that includes all these new interactions that we had a year to get used to, I feel like that was a good bet. Uh, the idea of taking the iPhone X and bringing it over to the iPad while making some optimizations to make it work better with split view and multitasking, um, I think in hindsight, we were all kind of maybe, some of us, not all, but some of us, we were concerned that Apple would just take the iPhone X and make it bigger without making yes. the proper considerations. Yes. But I think I think they really did a good job, actually. Uh, so, yeah. The screen man it's it's a good i was listening to uh tyler stallman's podcast and he had mkbhd on uh, his most recent episode and they were both kind of came to the conclusion which i completely agree with like that this screen is so good it's better than oled screens like the the colors are incredible the darkness levels mm -hmm. are incredible but what you lose in some of the you know like some of the really great hdr stuff or whatever like what you start to lose in some of that you make up for in the refresh rate and things like that like yeah. that that kind of overall and i actually do agree with this overall i think this is a better screen than the iphone 10 screen because i've started like turning on um more like black like all true black uh, UI in apps that I use on my iPad and like just really looking like trying to really look and see the differences and I can barely see the differences um, so you know whilst I like the idea of having an OLED screen the iPhone XR made me feel this way too I think that what I thought was good about OLED isn't necessarily what I value if that makes sense you know, like what mm. I value about OLED on the iPhone 10 is that the bezels are thinner and that the phone is thinner. Like they're there and that the battery life is better. Like they're things that I get from having an OLED screen while the black levels is maybe something that isn't as important to me when the liquid retina screens on the 10R and the iPad Pro, the black levels on those are, are about as good as I can perceive with my eyes. But then I also get the 120 hertz refresh rate, which is yeah. unbelievable. Like, I love it. I, I, that is something that I notice all the time and continue to really love that the the, yeah. the user interface feels much more alive and feels like it's more easily manipulated or like it feels more manipulated mm -hmm. by me mm -hmm. because it's moving at a rate that my eyes deem to be comfortable, like that there isn't yeah. this abstraction layer between me and the commute computer. This is the same feeling that you get when, you, when you're playing a video game and you say, well, I'm fine at 30 frames, but then you try 60 and you're like, oh, I, yeah. I understand. Like any, any game of fast 60. motion, like racing games, yeah. right? Like, the, you know, it really... It significantly um, helps to have higher higher refresh rates where you can. I was uh, 
I was setting up um, an old iPad Pro, the first generation one, the 2015 one for my mom. So I gave the 12.9 that I still had like in my closet to my mom. And I was setting it up and logging into all the, you know, the because we have family sharing. So logging into all the family accounts, the Apple IDs for my mom. And I was swiping across the home screen and I noticed why are all these <laughs> am i seeing blur when i swipe across across pages of the home screen and then i realize oh it doesn't have promotion so yeah, it's it, everything looks like a giant blur i have a question for you to your memory hmm. was the original ipad pro heavier than the second edition ipad pro so like the 12.9 inch did it get lighter before it moved to this new one or was it always kind of the same weight I think it was always the same, like the 2015 and the 2017 okay. one. Because I, I haven't, I same. haven't touched my old 12.9. But yesterday, my dad came over and he has uh, a 12.9 inch iPad, which he just calls his pad, which is it kills his me. Pa- his pad. He just calls it the pad. It it just murder. Uh, it just murders I mean, me. It could be it could be worse. It could be worse, but that's still pretty bad. And he could have uh, said a tab. He could have said that. I don't know where he would have gotten that. But so my and and he needed me to help. See, I think my my dad's issue is he removes I from everything. He had problems with his cloud that he needed me to to fix because <laughs> he didn't have enough storage in his cloud. Well, um, there's no there's no there's no I in Mike's dad. I, no, I think he just he just removes it, uh, and uh, he. So he gave me his iPad and I had and, and his pad and it felt so heavy and yeah. huge. Mm. Like in and he picked up mine and he was like, "Oh, he was like they they sent me an email about this, um, but I wasn't." He says, "But you know, I, he said he looked up his like trade in value. He could get two hundred and ninety pounds for a twenty fifteen uh twelve point nine, which I was super surprised about. It's more money than I would have expected. Um and he was like, Oh he's like, I don't want one right now, but he's like, but I do really like this. And I was like, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> but uh there we yeah. go. <laughs> so they it is like the size of this thing, the difference is in the size. Um like I have yeah. both, right? The eleven and the twelve point nine. And there are times where I'm using the twelve point nine where I like look at it and I'm like is that the eleven? Like, is that the eleven? Like, I'm not a hundred percent sure which one I'm using, uh, whether it's the eleven or the twelve point nine, which is kind of funny to me. So we should actually do a, a quick refresher of what we bought. So I bought both. Um, I bought the eleven inch with LTE and five hundred and twelve gigabytes of storage, and I bought the twelve point nine inch with Wi Fi and two hundred and fifty six gigabytes of storage. Long time listeners will know that I live the multi pad lifestyle. That is going to continue. Um, even though the 12.9 is 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 physically smaller, it's still more screen than I want in certain circumstances. Like, I find it a, the the 12.9 is too big and too bright uh, to use at night when I'm in bed next to my wife. I prefer the 11 inch for that. Um, plus, it's still easier to hold. Like, it has also benefited from thinness and lightness. You know, like, and so. I, I actually think that, funnily enough, for what I was using it for, especially for like travel-related purposes, the fact that the 10.5 has gone up to 11 inches has made it even better for that. Um, I still like, I still actually maintain for most people that the 11 inch is the right iPad, um, but the 12.9 inch for people that that are serious about this, or it, it has become an even better device for them. But I'm I'm still planning on maintaining and using both. Hmm. What did you get again? 
I got the the 12.9 LTE with one terabyte. Um, so this is the only iPad Pro that I got. I considered um, getting the 11 inch also, but there's a there's a few old iPads that I need to sell. Uh, I have a whole list of things to sell now that I basically refreshed my entire setup. Um, I gotta sell my MacBook Pro. I gotta sell um, my old iPad Pro. And if I get the 11 inch iPad Pro, I would only get it in Wi-Fi. So it would be like my my uh, reading or playing games in, in bed sort of iPad. Mm-hmm. And maybe some, like when I'm on a plane and I need to work and the 12.9 is still a bit too big, um, I could use the 11 inch. Um, yeah, but you wouldn't want to travel without the LTE, though. That's the problem. But I wouldn't want to travel without the LTE. So um, if I go, you know, if, if I could... If I get the 11-inch, I would need to sell the sixth-generation iPad that I have as well. But luckily, um, you know, I'm 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 talking to a bunch of people who are interested in buying my old things because I really, <laughs> you know, you talk to a friend and a friend of a friend, and then my mom she she talks to people, uh, and you know, I really don't wanna be bothered with putting items online if possible. You know, mm-hmm. taking pictures and taking care of shipping and all that kind of stuff. And also, I I would prefer to avoid putting a, putting things up for sale on those like local things where you actually need to meet a person and exchange yeah, no, cash you. in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that once in a very public place because our our concern was what if this guy robs us, um, and so we met right in front of a McDonald's, um, you know, very crowded place. Anyway, um, <laughs> very that was, that was an aside. Uh, <laughs> I got the one terabyte uh, LTE. So the, basically the fully maxed out iPad Pro 12.9 inch model. That's what I got. Okay. Now we uh, were talking uh, about the, um, the, 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 the six gigabytes, the six gigabytes of RAM, right? Yes. In the, in the, in the one terabyte. Mm. And we were wondering like, is this important or not? And I know you've been doing some wild testing, which has given you some mm. conclusions about this. So, um, yes. So the thing that I and some other people heard after the Apple event from some friends who work at Apple, from some engineers, was that the six gigs of RAM was not a big deal because, uh, of course, Apple doesn't like to talk about RAM. And what we heard was that, you know, maybe that RAM is in there just to manage the storage, like the extra storage of, of the one terabyte model. Um, then, of course, when I when I actually got the iPad Pro with one terabyte uh, and six, six gigs of RAM, I wanted to test it. So I thought maybe I could put together a shortcut that does some very heavy duty tasks, some very like memory intensive tasks and see what I can see what happens. Um, and so I came up with the idea of taking a relatively large image, so a screenshot captured by Steven on a 5K iMac. And it was a 3.6 megabyte image. And doing, my original test was doing a thousand iterations of encoding the image and decoding the image in base 64. So this is a very, like, it's five actions. Very simple shortcut. You get an image and you repeat these two actions, encoding and decoding a thousand times. Um... And the iPad Pro, the 2018 one with six gigs of RAM, uh, got it done in 40 seconds without crashing. Um, it was fine. 
Um, then I tested on the 2017 iPad Pro, so last year's model, which um, didn't get it done at all. It crashed at 50 seconds in. So 50 seconds into the execution of the shortcut, the shortcuts on a 2017 iPad Pro crashed. And the same shortcut also crashed on a 10s Max, which suggested that the it wasn't necessarily the A12 architecture that was helping with the execution on the 2018 iPad Pro, but it was maybe the extra RAM. And so I was talking to to our friend of the show, really close friend of the show, Steve Chatton-Smith, about this. Hi, Steve. And his idea was, well, what if you hook it up to Instruments, which is a debug tool uh, for Xcode on the Mac, and you, and, and you check what the memory consumption is like. And so, of course, I had no idea how to use instruments. And what I ended up doing was I... I <laughs> is this the... one of those things where you go, yes, Steve, great idea. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. I will use... Well, I know instruments You just are... watch to me. An, <laughs> to give you an idea of how unfamiliar I was with instruments, I had to open Xcode and click on the help thing in the menu bar and, and type instruments. Because I do I this all the time. Yeah. Where to look uh, anyway. Um so what you do is you, uh, I ran the shortcut while it's kind of like recording an audio session, but you're recording like what actually is happening on the device. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saved the file and I, I messaged the file to Steve. And I was like, look into this file. <laughs> <laughs> like I've done what you've asked for, I guess. Um, I can't do, so- go any further than this. What, what he discovered and that he also very gracefully explained to me with screenshots um, the my iPad Pro, the 2018 one, was peaking at five gigabytes of RAM consumption while running this shortcut. And shortcuts itself, so the application shortcuts, was peaking at 3.5, 3.4 gigabytes of memory consumption. Um, and of course, the old iPad Pro was peaking at uh, four gigabytes and then crashed because there was no more gigabytes to get. Um, so... The takeaway from this is that this shortcut, I've seen people saying, no, it's uh, it's crashing on the old iPad Pro because uh, uh, the shortcuts team is not doing garbage collection right. I don't even know what garbage collection is. I suppose it's something related to memory and whatever. I think it's a mafia thing, isn't it? Like garbage related um, collection services? um, Yes, that's the front. Uh, They do uh, other businesses. Right, Uh, right. they, They... Advertise it. That's garbage collection. Uh, but it's really okay. not. <laughs> um, uh, and other people say, no, if only the shortcuts engineers would use this technique. I don't care. The basic truth is that I took this app and I ran a complex task on it. And with six gig, six gigs of RAM, the task was completed. With less, it was not. So even though I'm not suggesting that complex tasks are now only possible on the one terabyte iPad Pro with six six gigabytes of RAM. That is clearly not what I'm implying. But what we can extrapolate from this are some interesting truth, uh, truths about you know having more RAM on iOS. What does it mean? It means that, well, first of all, the idea that that extra RAM is only for managing storage is not completely true because when it's available, mm-hmm. the OS can use it, apps can use it. So it's there and it's RAM. There's nothing super special about it. Um, also, it means that in everyday tasks, 
So even if you're not writing a shortcut, right? This is not even a benchmark. This was a test. And if I increased the number of iterations for for the shortcut, the 2018 iPad Pro would have would have crashed also. So this is not a scientific test. This is not a benchmark. You were trying to break it, right? Like that was I point. was trying to break it exactly. Um but in everyday tasks, it means that having two more gigabytes of RAM, for example, Safari tabs will be held in memory for longer. Or, you know, more apps will be kept active, uh, you know, in the background without having to, you know, when you open an app and you need to see the splash screen again because it's been evicted from memory. In theory, with, two, with, with 50% more RAM, you will see that 50% less uh, because the OS has more capacity in terms of memory to hold more apps um, sort of suspended in the background. I think what you've actually shown us, which is not necessarily something that we would have known without a test like this, is that, as you say, with more RAM, the iPad will make use of it, right? Yes. Like that, this is, this yes. is an example of that. It's, it, because I think it would have been not completely out of the realm of possibility for Apple to basically use that two gigabytes of RAM only for management of the storage, if that was why it was in there, right? Like, it feels like a kind of an apple thing to do, right? Like, four gigabytes is usable by the system. The other two is in certain circumstances when one terabyte is causing problems, right? But no, the system will use all six gigabytes of RAM in apps where necessary so that is just we know something we didn't know before and i've seen a lot of people and and i know that you were you were complaining about this too saying that like you know because you you mentioned it in in your article uh, as well and you mentioned it on twitter that day about like if you you know this is good for if you're going to keep this device for a long period of time it's future proofed Mm. you know some of that power is there and Mm. and and i definitely feel this right that like i say like oh you know i think this machine will be good for a few years knowing full well that i do not plan to keep this machine for longer until the next one comes out and when that comes out i'll upgrade yeah but i would say that part of our responsibility in reviewing these products is taking into consideration that not everybody will be upgrading every year yep. and providing people with information for purchasing decisions. So, for example, yep. if you're like, okay, I can buy this now, but I'm not going to buy one for four more years. Well, uh, in that case, if you have the availability, we would recommend that you get the one terabyte because it's future-proofed in, in yep. a more consistent way or like potentially a more long-term way. So it's just something to... To know, no, like no, that, no, yes, yeah. it is completely true that both me and Federico will be yeah. upgrading our iPads as soon as possible. But we know full well that there are lots of people that won't, and we just want to provide that information. And exactly, and and really, I don't understand. Uh, like, um, I always try to give my my old devices to um, members of my family or to sell them. And I do, I don't think it's too difficult to understand. First of all, I don't want to give crappy iPads to, to my family members like if it's right, a... but they would probably outlast the performance though you know like if well, that's you know it would probably, keep going for them probably for longer probably like look at for example I just gave uh, an iPad Pro to my mom and I and I can safely assume that that iPad Pro is gonna last three to four years at least um if I if I had an iPad Air 1 that would have been a different discussion mm-hmm. so uh, also these things they have better resale value 
in you know in a few years when people will be looking for an iPad Pro that doesn't cost a thousand euros, I will have you know a one terabyte model with six gigs of RAM that will probably sell better on the market than the basic model. So the argument that I cannot say that it's that I'm future proofing my iPad because I will personally not take advantage of that. I don't understand that counter argument. So um, yes, the basic um, thing that we discovered is the extra RAM is in there. The OS can use it. Apps can use it. They don't need to do anything special to use it. And it will be interesting to see what happens with iOS 13, for example, once Apple enables you know multi. Uh, multiple quote-unquote windows for for individual apps next year will that will the extra ram help at all will there be maybe not in ios 13 but maybe 14 special features that apple will say this is only available for devices you know they will not say that directly but i, I don't think it's um it's unusual for Apple to limit certain functionalities based on the amount of memory uh, available in certain iPads. Remember, for example, when they launched Split View and Slide Over, and when they updated it for the, I think, the 2017 iPad Pro, so last year, that you could use three active apps at the same time. So you could have the the two apps in Split View and the one in Slide Over, and, both of, mm-hmm. and all three of them were active. That feature was all available for devices with four gigs of RAM. I don't think it's it's impossible to imagine that in a couple of years there will be a feature that is all available for iPads with six gigs gigs of RAM. Yeah, and this iPad will be the only one. I expect that will be the case, but I bet that wouldn't happen until the next hardware revision. Sure, just because it oh, would yeah, be totally. too, too difficult for them to say like. It works on the new iPad Pros, but only if you have the one terabyte. Like it would just—it seems like kind of like yeah, a yeah. difficult thing to get across. But I do—I completely believe you and agree with you because there is very clear precedent for it. This is—that is not the first time mm-hmm. that has happened, as yeah. explained yeah. by you. Um, the, before we move on from the power aspect, I did notice something in your article, and this is quoting mm. from your first impressions article. I want to experiment with proper video production for Mac Stories in 2019 and beyond. Again, my priority was getting an iPad Pro that could be ready for all kinds of 4K video assets with plenty of built-in storage to get started. Hi. <laughs> yeah, um, so <laughs> I sent you today a picture of uh, Lightroom mm-hmm. running of my iPad Pro connected to the 4K display. Um, yeah, I'm. I was thinking about like, um, what do I want to accomplish in 2019? Uh, and I, I don't want to say that I get bored over time by doing the same things, but I want to try new things. I don't want to say it, but I get bored over time. <laughs> I, I'm not. <laughs> no, I feel no, you. I'm this is this, this is this across, is the curse like, of the creative person. Like, exactly. I want to try new things. You're never um, content. You always want to do more. Always want to do something new. I want to do something new. It's a phrase. Itchy feet is a phrase. Yeah. Right? Be like you just want to get on the move, do something That's else. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I I I want to I want to explore the possibility of what if we did more video or what if I, you know, what if I actually knew what it meant to edit uh, raw pictures and Mm -hmm. what if I had sort of, I don't want to say an education, but, you know, reading online and watching how other people work, you know, that kind of stuff. But mostly, um, you know, video is something that I've been thinking, you know, 
about for a long time. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I'm not saying that I will launch a YouTube channel in two months. No, it's nothing like that. Um, because we already have a YouTube channel, but it's basically unused. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to do is I want to start small and I want to see, for example, can I do a video where I describe a shortcut and it's just a screencast because I don't have a camera, I don't have a proper you know, video studio setup. Uh, but what if I did a simple screencast where I can show a shortcut running and explain people what, what's happening on screen instead of just showing the, you know, the thing running on its own with no audio? So something simple like that. And you know, I, I would love to edit that kind of stuff on my iPad Pro. And I would love, because I use it in the past. Remember when I did the, the dance video? Actually, two dance videos. Mm-hmm. And that was on the 2015 iPad Pro running Pinnacle Studio Pro, which is the app that eventually became LumaFusion, which is the app that everybody's using these days to edit video on the iPad Pro. So I'm familiar with that already, but I, I would like to sort of get back into it and start doing it more. Um, there's two things that I would like to do in the, in the, in the relatively near future. Uh, screencasts for shortcuts. So when I do a shortcut, I would like to describe it. Um, and also, I um, the pictures that are in my uh, second iPad Diaries article published today about the smart keyboard folio, those were raw pictures shot on my iPhone with Highlight. Uh, if that's the way you say that that name, I never, I, I, have I no never idea. know. One. Yeah, uh, and they were edited with Lightroom on my iPad Pro. And they're probably terrible pictures, but I don't care because, uh, you know, there's no uh, better way to get started and have people actually tell you if you're doing something wrong or if you're doing something right and send you feedback. Um, so that's something that I will, you know, these two tasks, they're n- new things that, you know, the, the, when you get that that cre- that creative itch, as you say, like it it... it sort of ignites a fire inside of you that like learning something new learning a new skill is um it's good for it's good for the soul really to 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 be a to learn to learn something new and to do it on the ipad pro is even more fun because it means that i can write about it and i can talk about it so it's a it's a it's a double opportunity if you will I will. Let's take a break. There's so much more to get to. We've, we've just started scratching the surface of this. Today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at Casper, the company focused on sleep, dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spend a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. That is why you want a Casper mattress, because their mattresses are perfectly designed for humans. They have engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry, giving you all of the right support in all of the right places they combine multiple supportive memory foams to make their mattress so comfortable and it will give you just the right sink and bounce in this quality product their mattresses are designed and developed in the u.s and they have a breathable design that will help regulate your body temperature throughout the night this is really good by the way sleeping on a casper mattress means that you're not going to get all hot and sweaty it's like nice and cool which is a great thing it's something that i value greatly not being all hot and sweaty at night right like the coolness because the air runs through it they make sure it's breathable that's what breathable is all about. They, Casper mattresses have over 20,000 reviews online with an average rating of 4.8 stars. The Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite 
mattress. They are the best mattress brand around. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They'll deliver directly to your door, and that is a box which is impressive. It's super small. It can be taken upstairs, which is really easy. You don't have to reenact that scene from Friends with the pivoting, because you'll be able to get that box up the stairs. You can put it in an elevator, whatever. And then when you open the box, you lay, you just take it out of the plastic, and the mattress breathes itself to life. It's really cool. If for any reason you don't love your mattress, Casper has a hassle-free return policy, and it is that 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by going to casper.com slash connected and using connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Trust me on this. You're going to love it. But you have that 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial anyway, so go for it. That's casper.com slash connected and the offer code connected for $50 towards select mattress purchases. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. You mentioned iOS 13 a minute ago as like mm. just in passing. And it triggered something for me that I'm a little bit concerned about right now, which is the hope of iOS 13. Okay. There's far too much conversation about how it's like blah, 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 blah. I expect this to be better in iOS 13 or... Da, 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 they're definitely going to fix this in iOS 13, or I can't wait for iOS 13 for this to truly become the laptop killer. I am concerned that everyone is putting far too much stock in the potential for iOS 13. Like, I tell you right now, everything you want in iOS 13 is not what you will get, right? Like, that is just a fact, right? Like, we're not going to yes. get everything we want. Like, iOS 11 was amazing, did not give us everything we wanted for the iPad right? Hashtag shelf life, right? You don't get everything you want. Like it's, it's just not how it is. Um, I, and I just want to try and like make sure we're keeping that in perspective. There is absolutely nothing to say that iOS 13 will include any iPad features other than just our own feeling that they will, right? Like it feels very logical. Like all rumors of iOS 12 would point to there being iOS features later. But what if it was iOS 14? Like we don't actually know. Um, I hope that we will see a lot of great stuff in iOS 13, but you know, I I wouldn't. I I just want to make sure that we're, everybody's trying to keep their hopes and dreams in check. I think it's always uh, risky to expect Apple to fix everything you see as being wrong or problematic on the platform in a single release, mm -hmm. and especially over the past few years, we've seen how you know Apple likes to. Uh, separate features across multiple releases and they're you know they 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 have now more sort of freedom to delay quote-unquote delay because some people would say well you cannot delay something that has not been announced whatever um <laughs> they can push features to the next year if they're not comfortable with them um i would expect ios 13 to feature uh improvements to multitasking so the um the thing where you know how in Safari now you can have multiple multiple tabs for the same app, so that should be an API for third-party developers. And I would expect at this point a redesigned home screen. Uh, that's been rumored for the past couple of years, and it sounds like um, it was one of the features that was pushed back uh, from iOS 12 to 13 in 2019. So I would expect that. Uh, but considering also that. Next year's WWDC, um, 
Project Sneak Peek or Marzipan, whatever the final name is going to be, will likely be the focus of Apple. And, you know, the developer message of you now have a new technology to bring your uh, iPad apps to the Mac. So I wouldn't expect iOS 13, and I would love to be wrong, of course, but I wouldn't expect this massive revolution of the iPad suddenly turning into this brand new kind of computer in a single point release. I would love it if, you know, if that happened, I would be super happy. I agree. I think too many people are feeling that way, where I feel like mine and your expectations are adjusted differently because we've been living this life for so long. We've seen this before, all this hope and this hype, only to, you know, not to be disappointed, but just tamper your expectations. iOS 13 is going to make iOS on the iPad better in significant ways for people that are currently using iOS on an iPad. I don't think it is going to be the release that will mean that you can get rid of your MacBook Pro, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. Honestly, I do think that we are getting closer to it. I think that maybe 14 or 15 would be because of the cross-platform apps. Like, I think that that's going to be something that really will help a lot of people. But I don't think that's going to ship with iOS 13, right? Like, I don't think that the next versions of the software will be that i just don't think it's yet um i think there'll be more to show i think it might be the beginnings of it but i don't think it's going to be like full powered like i can't imagine that someone who makes like a really like powerful mac app will just be able to very easily move it to ios like that's not going to happen but i think Mm -hmm. it might start we're we're getting closer and it does feel like it's more of a possibility than ever before but i don't think that's going to be shown off in june right like i just don't think that's that's where we're going to be I'm very happy to be wrong on that one, by the way, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Let's go back to talking about what we do have now, which is Face ID. So in in your testing and in your usage over the last week, um, how has Face ID compared to Touch ID? It is so much better than than Touch ID. Um, I love having Face ID uh, while I'm working at a desk, and I'm surprised that Apple still hasn't shipped Face ID solution for Macs at this point because it's just so much better. Uh, I can, you know, the iPad is in front of me. It's looking at me. I don't need to do anything. I can just double tap the space bar, uh, which, by the way, works with any keyboard, whether it's a USB keyboard that you have connected to the iPad or a Bluetooth keyboard or the smart keyboard. You can just double tap it and it authenticates. And it's, you know, if your face is close enough, which so wonderful, it's it's so it's so good and it's so much better than I prefer Face ID on the iPad to Face ID on the phone. Yes, me too. Because Face ID on the iPad, if your iPad is mostly used in a sort of as a stationary iPad, it's like it's sitting at a desk, there are fewer variables to account for. You're just sitting and you're looking at the thing and the thing looks like you and you're like, no, okay, but sure. Even if you don't, the variables are more likely to work on an iPad than an iPhone because it doesn't matter what orientation it is. It doesn't matter how your head's, like what angle your head is at. And you're likely not walking, you know, you're not walking, you're not wearing sunglasses, I I would suppose. Uh, Some people like to wear sunglasses inside, which I respect, uh, but, you know, I don't think most people do, Um, you know. uh, Maybe Liam Gallagher does, I don't know. Uh, Still, um, yeah, I prefer Face ID on the iPad. I'm trying to get used to the camera covered message, which I'm 
I was uh, my impression was that I'm not gonna see this message a lot, but in practicality, I am seeing the message a lot because you know it's when I hold my iPad, naturally my hands rest. Uh, where the camera sensor is. Mm -hmm. So it's very helpful that iOS uh, displays that message. I'm trying to remember, like this is basically all a muscle memory problem. I'm trying to force myself to hold the iPad differently so that I'm not covering the the camera, but it's going to take a while. So I'm seeing that message a lot. Uh, But overall, I would say this is a better Face ID than Face ID on the phone because it works no matter what, because the feedback displayed on the lock screen is better than the feedback you get on the iPhone and it's just as fast to me so a uh, big thumbs up even though my thumb is now useless because Touch ID is gone so yeah. big, uh, big nod to Face ID big attention up <laughs> um, I've done some very unscientific testing uh, but it feels to me that Face ID on my iPad can see me from further away than my iPhone does so like mm. you know I've held the two devices like I put the two devices next to each other and the iPad will unlock, but the phone won't. And I have to bring the iPhone. It's not a dramatic difference, like a couple more inches closer to me. Um, but it's just something that I've noticed. It's like, oh, wow, okay. Like, it, And also the viewing angle, it seems to, to get it at a better angle for me. Like, I've found it to be an, uh, a superior um, in most ways. I will say when, touch, when Face ID fails on the iPad, it's it's typically more frustrating to, to get it to to unlock so like for example if face id fails on my iphone it's already in my hand i just swipe up again and go for it but if face id fails on my ipad then like sometimes i have to like pick my ipad up right and that is more of a thing that is more of an involved process Mm-hmm. than it is on my iPhone. So like if I'm laying on the couch, right, and I've got it in the folio and it can't see me, like for whatever reason, I have to just like physically move my 13-inch iPad to bring it closer to my face yeah. or in front of my face to get it to work, where on the iPhone, that is not a cumbersome experience to to get the reauthentication. So whilst this happens to me less, I find it to be, as I say, much more reliable when it does fail, which it does, and it will, and it's just whatever, it is more of a process to get it to authenticate. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Um, I have caught myself hunching over the iPad, looking at the screen from a mm-hmm. very close distance. And I I had the thought, uh, you know, sort of having, uh, what if I, you know, trying to have like this... Um, uh, out of body experience, like looking at me as a diff- as another person, I look like a crazy man staring at a tablet, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get f- face authentication to work. Yeah, because it's like if if my iPad's on a table, I was on, I was on like the dining room table or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. if I needed to unlock it with Touch ID, I just reach down and unlock it. Yeah. But I have to make sure that it can see me, which is a very different. Mm-hmm. experience right but there yeah. there are always uh edge case issues there are always like weird things with this type of stuff but like on daily usage it's much better face id is much better mm. yeah isn't it nice that um that all the feedback that you get on the lock screen you also get for example for extensions or or for apps that use face id like yeah how nice yeah. is it when you're in safari or in a third-party app and you and you need to log into uh, service with one password and it just comes up scans your face and it's done uh, that's 
super awesome, honestly. Like it's yeah. the best part is the how integrated it feels. Um, it's I love it. Yeah, yeah, really well done. USB C. Oof, that's a now. Yeah. The mm. only thing that I've plugged into my iPad is the USB C power cable because okay. Right now, I feel like we are far too early in this process for me to even bother trying to connect other stuff to it. And, and also, everything that I know tells me that, you know, it can't, it doesn't really seem to be able to do like a massive amount more than a bunch of different dongles I could have used before. But I know you have been going pretty deep on the USB C mm. stuff. So I want to know what you have experienced. The wonderful world of USB-C. Um, okay, so a bunch of different chargers. Um, I have, because I, I, I had a feeling of, uh, you know, two years ago that, that Apple was really getting into this USB-C stuff and that it was not going to be limited to, to the Mac. So I have been accumulating a collection of, I have all the Apple USB-C chargers. I have all the Apple USB-C cables they make. Um, and I also have a collection of third-party chargers in multiple configurations. I have 29-watt ones. I have 30-watt. 30, 30 I have 60-watt. Uh, I, I have a really good collection that Sylvia deeply hates, um, this collection mm -hmm. of cables and adapters, and I, which mm -hmm. I understand... It's not something that I'm proud of, but it's, it's something ugly. that I really it's need like to do. It's ugly and messy. Yeah, it's um, bad. So, chargers and different cables. I got, by the recommendation of our very close friend, Marco Arment, uh, a tiny USB-C. It looks like a USB, like a USB drive, but it's got a display. It's a power meter. So you plug this into the iPad, and you plug a cable into the other end of this drive... And it tells you the um, <laughs> how much charge the iPad is pulling from the adapter. Um, and that is going to be part of the tests that I will conduct as part of my iPad Diaries series when I will talk about USB-C. So I've been testing all kinds of chargers and external batteries as well. I Just today... Uh, and then, of course, I have also used the iPad Pro as a charger for other devices. So I've charged my Sony headphones. You know, the the one those with the with the unspeakable name. Not because it's an acronym, because I don't remember that the name of those headphones. They are USB-C headphones, and they can be charged via USB-C. And I've charged my iPhone. I charged my Nintendo Switch. All the obvious stuff. Um, but it's only 7.5 watts of power. So if you play with the Nintendo Switch while it's charging, the battery will go down because it's not enough. It's not enough to charge the Nintendo while playing. Um, I have, of course, connected my iPad Pro to the ultra-fine 4K, the LG display. Um, and that gets us into uh, the wild territory of USB 3.1. So the thing that I'm interested to to keep testing is how much can you accomplish with the cable that Apple puts in the box of the iPad Pro and different cables based on the USB 3.1 spec. The USB 3.1 spec is also divided in two sub-versions. 
there's Gen 1 and Gen 2. Gen 2 is the is the good one, we should say. Uh, it supports up to 10 gigabits per second of data transfers. Um, and it's what, you know, it's a, of course, nobody is going to remember, you know, nobody's going to write as a, as a marketing name, USB 3.1 Gen 2. So most companies, they refer to these specs as super speed and super speed plus for some reason. It's the marketing terms they chose. Um, and for example, using the cable that is in the box of the iPad Pro, you hook it up to the LG Ultrafine 4K, nothing happens. Nothing happens because that's a USB-C cable based on the USB 2 spec. So it supports data transfers up for with USB 2 specifications. That is not enough to drive an external display. But if you use the cable included with the LG Ultrafine or any other USB 3.1, I think it doesn't matter whether it's Gen 1 or Gen 2 for a 4K display, you're going to see your iPad screen mirrored on the external display, which is fantastic because as I, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, today I was editing pictures in Lightroom and I sent you a picture of the setup and I could see, you know, the, the Lightroom on my iPad Pro, but the photo preview, like the, it wasn't a, a different view, it was the same UI, but it was much bigger on the 4K display, which was convenient for photos. Um, so I want to see how, how much you can do with the cable that Apple gives you and other cables that the iPad Pro supports because the iPad Pro, Apple states in the you know in the press release and on the product page, it it's fully compliant with USB 3.1 Gen 2. Um, what's also interesting to me is that Apple says that this iPad Pro supports up to 5K displays, uh, but I think 5K displays that are not based on Thunderbolt 3 are still kind of rare to find. Marco was tweeting about this a few days ago. And that is why I ultimately went with the LG Ultrafine 4K because it this monitor is compatible with the iPad Pro because it uses USB-C. The 5K, it uses Thunderbolt 3, which is not compatible with the iPad Pro. Um, of course, I also have a bunch of dongles. So I'm uh, being testing... Um, uh, audio in my car so I have a US, USB port in my car's dashboard uh, I can play music as if the as if an iOS device was a was an iPod it's got this old iPod compatibility mode support and so if you're running USB-A cable and you have the right adapter on the iPad Pro you're gonna play music um, from the iPad Pro via the car uh, it's kind of useless but it proves a point uh, also today I was um, I'm gonna test a bunch of third-party keyboards for the iPad Pro and one of the uh, I wanted to get extreme options so I started with the Apple smart keyboard folio which is the thinnest one that I could get and then I thought I want to get the opposite of this I want to get a clicky keyboard that sounds like a keyboard from the 80s mm-hmm. so I got a Matthias uh, tactile mini tactile pro this is a keyboard modeled after the Apple Extended 2. They sort of copied the same key switches. And it's a USB keyboard, which of course I, you know, I can run a USB cable from the keyboard, have a USB-C adapter on the iPad Pro, and it totally works. Uh, you can actually, uh, it fully supports keyboard shortcuts, fully supports double tapping the spacebar, 
uh, on the lock screen. And it's you get this weird feeling of having this keyboard that sounds like the keyboard that your mom used in the 80s, but it also supports Face ID, which is this, there's this weird, uh, you know, opposites at play. And I guess the thing is, like, whilst you couldn't, I mean, you could do that before, right? You could get yeah. the dongles and do it before. The, the the One of the benefits here is that, like, eventually these keyboards will be USB-C, so you just plug them right in. Yeah, and, and you get this, for example, the display is a good example because um, the USB-C, while having external display support on iOS is nothing new, and the there are no new APIs, this is the same mirroring technology that existed before. What is new is that well, 5K support is new, but I haven't been able to test that. 4K display support, I think, is also new. But what's important here is that USB-C gives you that flexibility of it's a single standard, it's a single cable. Once you understand all the, the details of this, which is, a, you know, it's a terrible wild west of different cables, different specifications. But once you understand it, I can now have a single cable, and when I want to work on my Mac Mini, it's plugged into the Mac Mini. If I want to work on the iPad Pro, the same cable, I just attach it to the iPad Pro. And so that kind of flexibility, I think, right. is beautiful. Right, and the keyboard and everything is attached to the monitor. Exactly, exactly. So everything goes through the monitor as a hub, and you also get, you know, downstream, you get the features, you get the, this compatibility on the iPad Pro as well. Uh, of course, um, the big problem right now uh, also, I should have sorry. I should have mentioned. Um, I didn't know this because I was at the at the event in Brooklyn, so I missed the announcement. But apparently, Belkin is working with Apple on a USB-C to HDMI adapter that supports 4K, 60 Hertz, and Dolby Vision. I totally missed this, uh, but it's happening. It's coming out. Uh, I think the uh, the Belkin press release says it will be available on Belkin.com and in Apple retail stores in time for the holidays, whatever that means. Um, because right now I can tell you, Mike, that I bought a bunch of HDMI to 4K 60Hz adapters via Amazon and they're all fake. None of them support HDR, so Dolby Vision, uh, which is a kind of HDR, uh, or 60Hz. They're all ugly piece of plastic pieces of plastic that they don't do what they advertise so i think it's interesting that apple is working with balkin to offer this i think it's going to be extra nice when i can download an hdr movie on my ipad pro and i can run you know usb to hdmi adapter with an hdmi cable to my uh 55 inch oled tv that supports dolby vision and i will be able to mirror a dolby vision movie from my ipad pro to the tv um I mean, it doesn't necessarily apply to me because I also have an Apple TV 4K. But again, proves a point of the you know this this large bandwidth that USB-C enables. That with the collection of adapters, it allows you to do a bunch of interesting things. Um, of course, the big problem right now, the most obvious thing, um, you cannot use USB drives um, with USB-C. Mm-hmm. You can import photos. Um, that that's all you can do though uh, and we've been over this a bunch of times usb drives should really be a location in the files app and it's gonna be you know i believe that apple is working on this because everybody is complaining about this feature and you when everybody uh, and you know in product reviews and on podcasts when literally everybody says it's great but there's this one missing feature. Usually Apple uh, likes to address that feature in the next software update or iteration of the, the device. In this case, 
I think it should really be a software update. And I, and I think Apple shouldn't wait until iOS 13 comes out to enable USB drives. But when that happens, it's going to be extra nice to have, you know, these large transfer speeds and being able to, you know, have a single dongle, for example, that allows you to do um, connect a USB drive, connect a monitor, and, you know, have uh, the monitor as a hub and you're working on your iPad. And maybe if developers adopt, you know, external display support, uh, you're going to have uh, one kind of UI on the iPad Pro and a different kind of UI on the monitor. And it's getting closer to this idea of the iPad Pro itself is still a display. I can still, you know, get up from my desk, detach a single cable, and I'm holding a screen. I'm holding a display. But when I sit down, if I want to, I can take advantage of the power of iOS and I can look it up to a 4K display and it becomes a workstation. And I don't understand how some people cannot see the beauty of this concept, the beauty of this idea of you got the single piece of glass that if you want, it can walk with you. It can be literally be in your hands as you're, and you, you know, it's a display that you hold and you're effectively holding content in your hands. But then if you sit down and again, if you took care of a, of a bunch of electronics, um, it becomes a computer that can run a 5K display. And I just think that that's just a beautiful idea that it's kind of sad when, when some people make fun of it. Because it's, uh, for me, this is the dream of the computer, it transforms. Uh, it can be portable or it can be a desktop. And it doesn't change the nature of it. Because its nature is to be, you know, is to transform. It's kind of like Kirby, the Nintendo character. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's in its nature to transform. So anyway... Uh, is there anything else you want to know about USB-C, Mike, or using an iPad with a monitor? No, I mean, ultimately right now, you know, you, you are proving my assumption that it is just a real friggin' mess, which is why I'm not interested oh, yeah. in going mm. down this route, like like with most people, and it's why we're happy you're around. I will wait for you to tell me what to do when I decide I want to do it, because you will have gone through it all, right? Yes. This is what your job is. This is what our jobs are, right? As like... We, we we go through this mess so people don't have to. Mm. And you're going through this mess mm. right now and trying to be at the forefront of this because it seems pretty clear that it's going to become more important for reasons that we can't mm. completely foresee right now, but it feels like this is a thing. Like, there must have been a reason that they've moved to USB-C, right? There must have been exactly. a reason. Exactly. This is this kind of stuff is probably the reason, but the full story has not been told yet, and that will take time to come out. But if you're doing this stuff now, when it comes to the time that everybody's going to want to get a display and make sure they got all the right cables, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you will have the guide, right? Like you will have done it, mm-hmm. and then we can all just follow what you did. And if you think about it, um, when Apple moved to Lightning, we all complained about, oh, now we gotta we gotta switch our cables, and now everything's different. None of my accessories work. But the move to Lightning opened up to move, opened up the possibility to, you know, remove the headphone jack, which also coincided with iPhones getting thinner and going, you know, all screen and also AirPods. And moving to USB-C, like right now it's a mess, but thinking down the road, thinking in a couple of years, what could this possibly enable? And this is like, this is Apple, 100% Apple playbook of using a single change to enable multiple changes down the road, multiple major features down the road. So right now it's a mess and understanding which cables you got to use is a mess. Um, But I think 
we are already seeing with the existing APIs on iOS for external monitors, which are super limited and really not what you expect, you know, coming from a Mac, it's really not like using a Mac with a second display. But still, we are seeing, you know, some developers coming up with wild ideas uh, about how could an iOS app ever take advantage of an external display? Uh, John Sandel, I hope that's the right way to pronounce his name, uh, tweeted uh, a bunch of examples on, on his Twitter account. You should, you should follow him. Uh, but one of them is a markdown text editor that on the iPad, it shows you the plain text markdown. So you can type on the iPad. On the external monitor, it shows you an HTML preview of Markdown. How and cool I that? want that. Yeah, I, wa- cool I that? want I want all Markdown editors to work like that now. Yeah. Uh, because that's exactly what I want. I would say that maybe the other way around would be better, but yes, just the the, the idea that you can do it is great cuz mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like and I figure if you can do one, you can probably do the other. But wouldn't it be nicer to have the screen that's right in front of your face with the bigger space be what you're writing on and you look down to see the preview? But like it doesn't matter. It's still incredible. This is something he just like played around with and mocked up but like yeah. that's super cool it's super cool yeah so um i am uh, right now you know i have this new desk and, and it's got a drawer on the left of the right side and this drawer is full of cables and adapters and i am thinking i'm gonna sound like uh i'm gonna sound like sheldon cooper from the big bang theory i want to label things i want a labeling machine you like probably a, should a, I probably should because I need to understand which cable is which. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it gets messy. Like, is this a 2016 Apple USB C cable or not? So, um, I should probably start labeling things. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun in a sort of terrible way because it, it's terrible because, you know, managing cables and adapters is not fun, but also it's gl- like a problem that I, that I can solve. And, um, yeah. Um, I will have something about USB-C soon. Uh, Still got to write about some other keyboards first, Mm -hmm. and then I will probably move to USB-C. The iPad Pro is not just the iPad itself. There's also a bunch of other stuff that's involved in it, and we should get to that. But before we do, uh, let me thank our next sponsor, and that is our friends over at Lunar Display. It's kind of funny, talking about like external monitors and <laughs> iPads, there is another way to do this, which is using a Lunar Display, but it's in the opposite direction. So it's taking your Mac and having your iPad be a second display for your Mac. This is what Lunar Display will let you do. Your iPad has this incredible display, right, this, and these small packages Everybody always wants more space when they're at their computer. This is a great way to do it. Lunar Display provides crystal clear image quality, reliable performance, and wireless flexibility. You just pop this tiny little dongle into your Mac and you're good to go. Even if you don't have access to a Wi-Fi connection, you can connect with USB. It's super, super simple to do. So this means that you can have two displays wherever you are. If you have like a laptop and an iPad and you're traveling, maybe you're working on the go, you maybe you're in a hotel room, maybe you're even on a train or something. You can set these things up and you will have two displays for your Mac, which is awesome. Everybody always wants more screen real estate and you don't have to buy another screen. You can just use your iOS device to do it. It will support your external keyboard. It will support your Apple Pencil, your touch interactions. It's like then having a touchscreen Macintosh, which is also kind of a wonderful thing. Lunar Display is so simple to set up. You just 
pop, you just download their apps, which tells you everything you need to do. You just put the little hardware device into the back of your Mac and you're good to go. It is as simple as that. I was astounded at how easy this was because it seems like such complex technology under the hood, but they've made it super simple. Listeners of this show can get 10% off any Lunar Display. So just go to lunadisplay.com, L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com. Use the promo code CONNECTED at checkout. That is lunadisplay.com, promo code CONNECTED to get 10% off. Our thanks to Lunar Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So the Apple Pencil, I mean, the Apple Pencil is a super easy one to talk about because it is better in literally every single way. Everything they did to it made it better over the first version. It feels nicer to hold. It is more convenient because it's always where it needs to be, stuck to the side of the iPad. That convenience is a storage solution, but also charges it. So the convenience also comes from the fact that your Apple Pencil is always ready to go. It has more functions, right? So it has like, you can double tap on it and you can switch tools and more and more applications are being updated with this. You know, like all the, all the drawing apps are being updated to take advantage of the tool switching. Um, and then there are some more apps that are trying some like more complex things with it. But, you know, and we're going to see how that stuff goes into the future. But I am absolutely thrilled with this device. I think it is fantastic. Um, it has renewed my love for the Apple Pencil all over again. I absolutely adore it. I love the fact that when I want to use the Apple Pencil, it's right there. Mm-hmm. I, it's not something that I need to manage anymore. And um, it doesn't solve the, the, the magnetic attachment. It doesn't solve the problem of carrying the iPad in a bag and the pencil is loose. Um, that's gonna happen because you know it's not like you're uh, attaching the the iPad to your the the pencil to your iPad with nails or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's a magnet, so it's gonna detach in the in a bag. Yeah, but, but then still, it's just in your bag, right? Like it's you know. But it's just in your bag, and mm-hmm. it's again you can just put it on top of the iPad and it charges and it pairs. It's it's perfect. It's exactly like it's one of, of those things that. I didn't know that I wanted this, but as soon as I tried it, I was like, how could I ever have accepted the pencil before? Uh, because it's, it's, this is the ideal state of the pencil. It's, uh, it's sort of hovering over the iPad at all times, ready for you to pick it up. And it's, you just grab it. You just grab yeah, it. Yeah, you just grab it and you go, and it's perfect. And like you, you, it, it's, you know... When I had it in the pen loop, it was always more of an involved thing to like slide it out. But like now, it's just my hand reaches for it, and I have it. Like there's no resistance. You just you just take it, and it it's wonderful. Whoever did this, whoever came up with this, whoever had to lobby mm-hmm. to get the Apple Pencil to be changed in this way, yeah. thank you. Like yeah. like you have made the pro- you have made it perfect you know it, you know it, it is as it is as close to perfect as this thing is probably ever going to be um, I adore it like it's wonderful but let's mm. talk about the keyboard smart keyboard folio mm. speaking of things that are perfect <laughs> you you published a scathing review of oh it's the, not scathing come on oh, it's it not is. scathing. Do you want me to it's do a dramatic sc- reading of some of these parts mm, here it's not I think it's fair it's not scathing. You, Come on. Okay. I may it's be it's critical. It's critical. It's very critical it's cri- then. Much more critical than me, I think, on my feelings about it. Now, it is not as clear a home run as the Apple Pencil is. Like, the keys are the same, and that can either be good or bad, depending on how you feel about it. Um, 
I like the magnetic attachment. I think that it is overall better than the way the previous one uh, attached. You know, I like that it's simple to do. I like that you don't have to do a bunch of folding. Um, it's super plain and super boring. Uh, it is. It's very boring. One of the most boring looking products Apple has made in a very long time. <laughs> like it does. It has no logo. It's nothing. It doesn't nothing. even have a texture. Like no. it's, it's just it's, it's just flat. Nothing. It's flat. Perfect for stickers, uh, and it really is. And it's actually it being all flat is better because now I don't have to like get specific stickers to fit in the little panels. Like I could just right. put the stickers wherever I want. That's a great point. That's a great point. So it's great for that. It is secured by the millions of magnets. Everyone's seen this by now, but MKBHD had a he found this like little magnetic paper that shows where magnets exist on a device. It's wild to see all those magnets. Um, but so that's you know that's a thing. I feel like. This is about as much as I would have wanted. Uh, I miss my old media view of being able to flip the uh, stand all the way around and have it stand up on its own. I may be, though, the only um, only user and defender of the desk uh, orientation. You know, like you have the two modes of like, what do they call it? Desk and lap. Laptop. Lap, I yeah. use the desk orientation sometimes when I'm on a desk. I use it when I'm on my sofa, um, you know, like maybe oh. doing some work or whatever. It, I don't know why it's why it's good for me, but not for others. But sometimes with the way I'm sitting or how far I have the device away from me, uh, the desk orientation is better. So I actually sometimes okay. feel like the lap orientation <laughs> is too it's too the angled away from me. If you're far enough from the iPad Pro, totally. Like I was, I was in bed last night, and I and I needed to edit a story, and I used desk mode. But again, I was in bed. Not so here's, here's something that might be interesting for, for between the two of us, right? So like, if I'm writing or working at the at the kitchen table, I want to have my iPad far enough down the desk that my arms don't rest on the corner of the desk. Ooh, okay, okay. So that's a difference. Okay. Right? Mm. Because that can trigger RSI problems for me because I'm okay. I'm like leaning on the the tendons in my arms. So I will have my whole arms on the desk and then the if it's angled away from me it's then angled too much. So the desk mode works pretty well for me there. Um because I I will that's typically how I have all of my keyboards. They're pretty far into the desk so I can rest all of my arms on the desk, which is more comfortable for me personally. So okay. I use well, that it for that. So I'm not like that. I'm not like um, And the that reason, you know, really this is, I think for a lot of people, it's used to watch videos and stuff, but they couldn't call it that because it's it's not good because the keyboard's always mm, there. It's not a good look. It's not a great, right. I don't think it's a good look to say, buy this keyboard and it's got media mode in a, you know, yeah. a mode where you will not be using the keyboard that you just paid for. Yeah, um, when this yeah. really is more of a keyboard than the smart keyboard. Like the smart keyboard folio is more of a keyboard product than the previous smart keyboard was, which was really like this whole thing. You know, like it could do everything and it has a keyboard on it as well. But what do you think about um, when you wrap the keyboard around? It's weird. It's weird when you when you wrap it around and you feel the keys in, in the back of the iPad. Um, even though it's like... I like to don't... press them. No, 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 no. I like doing no. that. You know, like I'm no, just no, like no. kind of wrapping my key, my fingers on the keys. No, I like no, it. No, 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 no. It feels like they're going to break and I don't like it. Why uh, would they break? Because I'm not, I'm not looking at them. I, I don't feel like I'm in control of them. Um, mm. 
I'm using them in a way they're not supposed to be used. Keys are supposed to be pressed, not to be held. So right, but I, that's I'm why tapping them. Weird. Like, I like it. Yeah, but why would you, though? Like a fidget toy? Yes, 100%. Mm, no, you know no. me. Yeah, I know you, but you know me. I'm not a fidget toy <laughs> person. No fidgeting for me. Um, no fidgeting. I have many thoughts about this keyboard that I tried my best to share today in a story on, on Mac stories. Um, here's my, my summary of it is the following, that I appreciate the portability and the thinness of the smart keyboard folio. It does its job well if, you know, if you value portability, if you want something that can be easily attached, something that you don't need to manage, you don't need to charge because of the smart connector and all of its benefits. This is the, the and that also offers protection this time because it covers the back of the iPad. Um, this is probably what you want to get. I don't love that it's more expensive especially when you consider that in Italy this cost 220 euros which would yeah, be roughly $250 it is it's too much in proportion to the um the the, the price of the device my basic argument is is this apple makes the ipad pro is the smart keyboard a pro keyboard or is it just the bare minimum that Apple can do to offer a portable keyboard for the iPad Pro? Yeah. I want Apple to make a smart keyboard pro for people who don't value necessarily extreme thinness and extreme portability, but value pro typing. So having more keys, having more sh- keyboard shortcuts, having function keys. Everybody else that makes an iPad Pro keyboard has function keys and special iOS shortcuts, like going back to the home screen. And yes, iOS supports Command H to go back to the home screen, but having a dedicated home key allows you, for example, to summon Siri or to summon the app switcher, which you cannot do by holding Command H or double tapping Command H. Having function keys for controlling media playback. Um, if you start, If you want to start playing a song on your iPad Pro, and then you want to pause that song, you cannot do this with the smart keyboard. You need to reach to the screen and swipe to open Control Center and pause, which I think is insane. The Apple Magic Keyboard has function keys, and they work for controlling media playback. The smart keyboard doesn't have them. Um, I think it's... I think it's... I don't want to say insane. I think it's very strange that three years into the iPad Pro, the smart keyboard is still the only option we have from Apple. Especially because the smart, key, the smart connector has not turned into the ecosystem that maybe Apple envisioned. Because They certainly didn't promise an ecosystem, but we all sort of thought, well, some people are going to take advantage of this. And it turns out that only Logitech did. And this time, Logitech doesn't even have an option for the new iPad Pro. So on a recent episode of ATP... Um, Marco had a briefing with uh, with Apple PR about the iPad Pro. He had a conversation with them and he shared a bunch of his experiences. It was a very interesting episode. But he asked about this, like about like what is going well, on I, with I, the I smart connector, that. right? And the, the impression that he seemed to get from talking to Apple PR was this is the smart keyboard folio. That's what the smart connector is for. And it seems like that it may be... sure. That nobody else is going to make 
products for this now. It is an Apple-only thing, which actually I think only adds to your uh, call here that they should make another keyboard. I mean, the same company makes iPad and iPad Pro. Why do they only make one smart keyboard? Clearly, they know that there are different types of users. You know, uh, people who... When I need to write for like five hours straight, can you imagine me doing that on a smart keyboard for five consecutive hours? That would be madness. And any serious writer... I mean, I'm not saying that you can't use the smart keyboard. What you're saying is you can't get real typing done on a keyboard folio, right? No, oh my God. (laughs) What I'm saying is, is that... (laughs) What I'm saying is that there's obviously so much more that Apple could do for people who yes. need to write for a living, and they're not doing that. I'm not saying that you cannot use a smart keyboard, because you totally can. Because I, I've, I have written in-depth reviews on the smart keyboard. I am using the smart keyboard, even though I don't like it, because it's my job and it's also my only option. But what I'm saying is, is that third-party companies are making Bluetooth keyboards that have more features and are not so terribly thicker or heavier than the smart keyboard. It is possible, and from my perspective, Apple is dropping the ball if they're not addressing this market, if they're not considering people who, you know, how many novelists or journalists or writers use an iPad Pro to get their work done? And I think it's so strange that the smart keyboard, the basic smart keyboard, is still the only option we have from Apple. So... I am waiting for more options. Again, as I mentioned, I'm going to test a bunch of different typing scenarios for when I'm at home. I'm going to test the Magic Keyboard with the Canopy. I'm going to test um, the Matias USB keyboard. Um, here's something interesting for you, Mike. Um, you know the Magic Keyboard as Lightning, uh, as a Lightning connector? Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, if you connect a USB, USB-C to Lightning cable... So you run the cable from the iPad Pro to the Magic Keyboard. It works, but it doesn't support function keys. If you use it in Bluetooth mode, it supports function keys. So something is getting missed in the USB-C to Lightning cable when it comes to function keys. I don't know. Uh, Function keys work fine over Bluetooth, and they work fine over USB, but USB-C to Lightning, they do not work. Um, So yeah, um, look, I'm going to keep using the Smart Keyboard Folio. Because especially for the next few months, I have no other option. But you're going to hear me complain about it. Uh, also, it's not backlit, which is, again, I, I, I don't understand why. Um, I mean, I do understand why. I don't understand why Apple doesn't offer another option. Like, I would pay more money. Uh, I've, we've been over this before. I would pay more money for a better keyboard, but it's not there. I can sort of understand the feeling of pro Mac users now. Because... um. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a pro keyboard user, maybe. I I don't know. But still, like, let me give you more money, but you're not allowing me to give you more money for for a pro thing that I want that I want you to make and you're not making it. Um. So basically, I think this is this keyboard folio is gonna be fine for most people, even though it's expensive. But I would love Apple to make a pro version of it because it's called the iPad Pro, and we deserve a pro keyboard. I would like more, but I'm also mostly happy with what i have i don't write as much as you so you know like my writing is typically in short bursts it's not for long extended periods of time so i greatly value the 
flexibility that the smart keyboard offers me. Um, as soon as Bridge come out with their new devices in the early next year is what they're saying, I will 100% buy them, though, because oh, I yeah. loved my Bridge keyboard on my 12.9. Um, I actually just today got my Bridge keyboard for the 10.5-inch iPad Pro. It's awesome. it's awesome, right? Like, I can't wait to get those for the new devices uh, because they're great keyboards. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to do um, with that. So fingers crossed for those. Yeah. So I think that's it for the iPad, right? I think we've we've gone through as much as we wanted to get through today on the iPad. We should probably do some follow-up, I guess. <laughs> Right and now we can do some follow. Now we can do some follow up. <laughs> uh, but before we do, let me thank Linode for their support of this show. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options. Their prices start at just five dollars a month to get you up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud. You can get started in just under a minute, and then you will have access to industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a forty gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have ten data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers quicker than ever before they have an api that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud and everything is manageable via the command line all of linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing and they have a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances Linode's plans start at just $5 a month. For that, you'll get yourself a gigabyte of RAM, but they have high memory plans as well. They start with 16 gigabytes of RAM. You can really pack some serious power into these things. As a listener of this show, if you sign up right now at linode.com slash connected, that's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash connected, you'll be supporting the show and also getting yourself a $20 credit towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that is four free months. They have a seven-day money-back guarantee as well, so there's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash connected to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit right now, or just use the promo code connected2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. So last week, a follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Last week, Stephen cast <laughs> himself as an action hero uh, in a movie he called The Wire Man. Um, yes. He also... Stephen Hackett is The Wire Man. He kind of demanded posters, um, and we had a number of listeners that uh, they they heard the call of the wire man and provided those posters. We have uh, from uh, podcast fan art creator to the stars, Kate Matthews created uh, a wire man poster for Stephen, um, which is. Amazing. It's all illustrated in Kate's wonderful style, as she is known to do. Uh, I especially like the logo of this one. Um, I'll put links to all of these in the show notes. Um, Oliver has a whole thread of different uh, movies and sequels. I like that uh, Oliver created The Wire Man 1, 2, 3, and 4. 4 is my favorite. 4 is like like Liam Neeson, you know? Like he's he's been pulled back out of retirement. They, they, They kidnapped his man. And now the wireman is on the run. What I like about this is the wireman in version four is clearly as big as a building. Yes, also that. So the, got the Godzilla version of the wireman, and mm-hmm. then uh, the one that probably makes me laugh the most is Corey's. For just a bunch of things that are going on, like the references to the forty-year-old virgin are brilliant. Um, 
they're the face that he's that Stephen is pulling. All of these Perfect. are fantastic. They're all in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who submitted artwork for Stephen's self-casted movie. Uh, also, you should know. You should point out the details in the in the Corey version. I don't want to point out too much, right? Because I want people to to see them. But yeah, I just want to say. Uh, one, two, three podcasts production. Yeah, That's I like that a lot. Cut. That's I like a that deep a lot. Cut. Mm. Also, there's a there's some uh, music that is referenced in some, some of the mu- posters. Some music, some music. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are very, but, very good. Uh, thank you to everybody who uh, submitted uh, one of these. It's very cool. If if you've seen these and you also want to make a poster, I'm sure Steven Zigo loves them, so you could just keep doing them. Uh, go to go wild. They are very fun, though, so thank you to everybody who did one of those for uh, the upcoming movie, The Wire Man. Um, I also uh, wanted to point people over to an article over at Laptop, which is Laptop Mag. I think they're just called Laptop now, which I find kind of funny, uh, but it's Laptop Mag, where I gave some quotes about working oh, on the iPad because I am a fancy quote boy now. Uh, so you fancy my, quote boy. <laughs> I am. It's my friend, my friend Henry, uh, who works over there, wanted to get my kind of opinions on working on an iPad and what that means as a way. Like in, he interviewed a bunch of people who who work like this, including I think Bradley Chambers is quoted in the article too. So that's a good one to go and read. But before we finish today, an important piece of follow up that I feel. I can't, that the two of us can't really do justice to, it's just the two of us, but like, you got a Mac today? Your Mac Mini arrived today? <laughs> I got a Mac today. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, this has been years in the making, really. Mm-hmm. How many years ago Steven started saying you should get a Mac a lo- It's been a long time. Over, you know, but just because you've had, remember when your E-key, the E-key broke? On your oh my God. Mac yeah. It's been like I, since then. I do. I do the e key. Um, so you're actually talking to me on that device right now, right? Yes, I'm. I'm looking at the ultra fine 4K connected to the Mac Mini that I got. Um, again, I should give you because people are gonna ask the configuration. This is the 3.2 gigahertz Core i7 model with 16 gigs of RAM. So, and uh, as far as storage is concerned, I got the. I'm just double checking. How do you hmm, see Macs? How do you use them? Um, Nobody really I think knows. it's called the status bar. It's called the status bar. Hold on. This is the 256 version. Yes, it 256 is. 256 gigabyte version. SSD is what you're saying, yes. right? Okay. Yes. And uh, yeah, uh, it's, um, you know, the cables are still a mess because the wireman hasn't been here <laughs> yet. So The wireman cometh. The, as in... Yes, it's like Santa Claus. It, you know, it it arrives. Uh, it can visit yeah. everybody in just one night. Uh, Everyone wakes Nobody up knows. on wire morning, and all of their cables have been taken care <laughs> all of. All of their wires have been managed uh, by the wire man. You leave out some gluten-free cookies for him. Yes, please. Um, it's bigger than I expected. Uh, it's a it's a it's a big square <laughs> with rounded corners. Uh, I think the the old one used to be smaller, of course, and but this one is it's bigger and space gray, which looks hot. It's very nice, but it's bigger. So I need to rethink the because I wanted to put the Mac Mini uh, on top of the ultra fine stand, but mm-hmm. it's a little too small for that. So uh, it's probably gonna be in the top right corner of my desk with cables. Um, managed all 
neat and nice uh, behind my desk so I don't see them. Um, but yes, I, I ran through the configuration really quick. I don't have any complex needs when it comes to migrating Macs because I don't keep any important data of, on my MacBook. I just needed to set up the podcast recording setup that I have and log into iCloud, log into Google services, and that was about it. I don't even have Dropbox installed because I, I don't need Dropbox locally. I can just log in through Dropbox.com. It's going to be here eventually, but also I, it's not my... It's not a must-have as soon as I set yeah, up the Mac. This feels like a real candidate for selective syncing, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? I can yeah. set up a Mac in five minutes. It's It takes me longer to set up my iPad, for sure. All the oh, things that, that I need sense. to download and yeah. all the apps that I have. Uh, but yes, I, I, have, um, I have a new Mac. I still need to... I still need to make the desk a little nicer. Uh, I've also been thinking about uh, buying one of those colored light strips because I wanted oh, to... Oh, like the hue things? They're really nice. Yeah. Stephen bought me one for Christmas or my birthday or something. I remember that. And I really like it. We were planning that behind your back. Um, oh, that's nice. I was aware of that gift. Um, <laughs> Are you taking partial credit for this gift now? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I was, I was in on the gift. I you were in on, you know, the, on, the whole, on the whole heist. Uh, uh, yes, um, I want to add some accent colors to my to my desk because it's kind of boring right now. It's just yeah. like a white desk against a white wall, but I don't want to have a lamp. So my idea was I could get a strip and sort of run it through like the part of the desk that I don't see. So it's still gonna add some color, but it doesn't get in the way in the like how a normal desk lamp would. Well, because yeah, they they have adhesive strips to hue strip exactly. right so, so that's i just I stuck do. it to the edge of the back of the desk exactly so it that just was, lights that's the what i want to do yeah yeah good so well uh, i mean i don't know do you want to ask me anything about <laughs> it's just a mac it's just a mac that i use for podcasts i'll, I'll be completely and honest with you i don't i don't really have any questions i figured honestly i don't I really know what to say I just figured mm-hmm. I should say something because I know that you got it. Um, hoping that you would say, here is this really interesting thing that happened. But I don't um, think either of us are really cut out for this conversation. Um, but I just I can tell you to... one interesting thing. Okay. Like, um, I need to understand. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a letdown otherwise. Um, I want to <laughs> I wanna take the default wallpapers these 4K wallpapers, I want to take them and I want to use them on my iPad Pro. So I need to figure out the location in the Finder to steal these wallpapers and add them to my Photos library. That's the literally the only slightly interesting thing I don't thing think I have that, for you. that is anything near what people would have wanted. So we will have more I'm to sorry. say on this, especially because I, I keep saying I'm going to do this, but I am going to buy one of these things to set up a home server. Like that is a thing I will 100% be doing because I keep thinking about all of the different things that I want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like for today, mm-hmm. I was publishing um, an episode of a show and I realized that I didn't set the uh, chapter art correctly, right? So I had to go and turn on my Mac and open Forecast and change the chapter Ooh. art and publish it. I didn't want to do that. Like what I wanted to do was to, again, sponsor, but this is what I wanted, the reasons I want it, to just open the Lunar Display app and just do it on the Mac Mini, right? That would mm-hmm. just be sitting in the house so I could just stay where I was in the, on the sofa, like without needing to go to the iPad, to the iMac and do that. So like 
this is something I will do. I've just had too many new devices to focus on over the last couple of months that I need just oh, a little man. bit of a break yep. before yep. I got before I dive into here's another new one. So we will have more to say on this. I'm feeling that like new device burnout sort of like the most privileged I'm... level of burnout that a human being can, yes. <laughs> in technology can go through. But also this is a tech podcast so yep. I feel like it's kind of expected. Yep. Also because I've been changing furniture like we went, Sylvia and I, we went a little bit crazy over the past two months. You know, we started with the idea of why don't we do some renovations in the bedroom? And that sort of bleeding, sort of started bleeding into other parts of the house to the point where we're now buying new furniture for everything. Because same idea, we want to try something new. We want to see new things. We want to see new furniture. We want to uh, change things up a bit, uh, which is fun. But also, like, new, like, everything is new. My desk is new. My office setup is new. The bedroom is new. I have new iPhone, new watch, new iPad, new Mac. It's like, I need to just sit down and actually spend time with these things. uh, Because otherwise, like, I feel like I'm taking notes of everything without actually trying them in in real life. Like, I need to just... You're in review mode, right? I totally yes. feel this. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So we'll have more to say, but we just wanted to to mark this monumental occasion by referencing that it happened. Uh, you can find our show notes for today's episode by going to relay.fm slash connected slash 218. Federico, you can find him online at maxstories.net, and he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, in places like Twitter and Instagram. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. You can find The Wireman um, on Twitter. He is at ISMH. And Stephen will be back with us next week, probably to tell us how disappointed he is in our coverage of the Mac Mini and the fact that we move follow-up to the end. Hey, buddy. Uh, But until then, uh, thanks so much to our sponsors of this week's episode, Linode, Lunar Display, and Casper. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Mm. Adios. (laughs) Cheerio. (laughs) Wait, you have to do one more, right? Arrivederci. Thank you.